listening to the One Two Three Show with me, Noreen Mayer, on this Tuesday after, uh, sorry, on this Friday afternoon. Let's turn to our first topic and guest of today. Now, in the next fifteen minutes or so, we're talking to Professor George Wu, who is often known as the father of optometry in Hong Kong. He had founded the Department of Diagnostic Sciences at the then Holy po- Ho- Hong Kong Polytechnic, which is now the Hong Kong Polytechnic University, to promote the. Di- the the development of optometry in Hong Kong. And Professor Wu is also one of the awardees of the 2020 Hong Kong Humanity Award, which is co-organized by the Hong Kong Red Cross and RTHK. Welcome to the program, Professor Wu. Thank you very much for joining us this afternoon. And a big congratulations uh, to you and your award. What a deserving achievement. Thank you. Now, for the past 18 years, uh, come rain or shine, Professor Wu, you have dedicated yourself to the Samaritan Center. And in 2015, you had become the chairman of the board of directors of the Samaritans. And you've since then uh, supported the development throughout the organization, including the setting up of services for the elderly and young people. Um, you're, you're so busy uh, researching and nurturing your staff in optometry. As a busy professor, why did you decide to give back to society by volunteering? Well, it's uh, 18 years ago, as you mentioned, uh, that's the retirement age of academics at PolyU. So I thought I was going to retire and have some time and uh, uh, sharing my uh, wanting to volunteer something. And because I'm a, I have been a health professional, a caring profession. Therefore, I would like to have something to do with interaction with the public. And uh, from the recruitment advertisement, I enrolled the training course and found it the most interesting and uh, uh, pursuing further. Little did I know that it lasted for 18 years. That's almost two decades. Two decades. That's really uh, amazing. Now, let's talk a little bit more about um, uh, your work at the Samaritans. Now, you you chose to answer telephone calls to to people who felt suicidal. Why did you choose this particular form of volunteering? In my work as a health professional, as an optometrist, I deal with patients who have suffered from uh, loss of vision due to ocular diseases that cannot be rectified or changed through medication or surgery. And then we try our best to uh, provide vision rehab to them. However, they're still not very happy because they're mentally they're disturbed and they would like to uh, lead a normal life. Uh, from there, I, and some, sometimes they get depressed and have suicidal thoughts. That's how I encounter suicide uh, uh, intended uh, people in my work. And I would like to know more to render a bit more help to them if possible. Yeah, we are on Facebook Live, by the way, for some of our listeners who want to see and also hear Professor Wu. Um, go to Noreen Mayer on RTHK Radio 3. You'll be able to see uh, Professor Wu sitting there nicely w- w- with a nice cup of tea. Um, let's talk about some of the emotions that these people were fe- feeling. You mentioned just now suicidal. I mean, it- how are the, some of their mental health being affected because of loss of vision? Did they feel like it was the end of the world? Uh, because they, from their perspective, if technology is so advanced these days, people can go to the moon and everywhere, the, the space. How come my little problem with eyes that nobody can render any help to restore eyesight? 
Therefore, it's so much inconvenient uh, with the remaining vision, depending how much is left. If you have a stroke, for example, you lost part of a visual field, it can never be restored, and you have to cope with it. It is tedious, it is difficult, you need encouragement, you need constant help from other people around you, and uh, some, some of them give up. And I have encountered actually patients who tell me that they want to commit suicide. And, how, and, and mm -hmm. yeah. because it's not worth living if it's that difficult, you know. Absolutely. And sometimes they might feel like they're a burden to their family members or right. they feel like they can't really care for themselves. H how did you comfort them? Well, in, uh, we, have, uh, we have taken our training courses and we learn how to uh, uh, deal with uh, situations like that. Um, we uh, listen to them. We become good listeners. I, I, that's something I have learned uh, through my volunteer work, listening, supporting them, um, encouraging them, or maybe sometimes redirect them, direct them to appropriate care, which they are not available for those care services are available uh, in the community, for example. And uh, positive thinking, compassion, um, uh, empathy. That's so important. And you, and you mentioned an excellent point just now. It really is about listening and, and active listening um, as well, which many of us really don't know how to do that. It's such a skill um, to, to be a good listener. Why did these people feel the need to call the hotline rather than share these emotions with some of their own friends and family? Why did they perhaps, why do you think they kept it a secret from them? Yeah, the hotline is known to be confidential. For example, when people call us, we don't have a display of their number. We don't want to know. And uh, uh, they tell you uh, that uh, matters of, their, uh, of importance to them, they wouldn't tell their, their closest uh, relatives, but they would tell you because you are, uh, you are there, but you're not there uh, in, in a way. And you, are, uh, you, you listen and you, uh, you let them, we let them analyze themselves by asking, by interacting with them. Uh, and in the end, the best way is that they see a way out. And from uh, emotionally very disturbed, sobbing, crying, to calming down and uh, thank, thank the volunteer for giving their words of encouragement. How long do these conversations last for? I mean, how long do they spend talking to you? It varies, of course. Uh, it, uh, I would say from typically from 15 minutes to 45 minutes, though that's the range. But sometimes it goes beyond that, depending on we use our discretion uh, to change the uh, normal pattern. In other words, uh, if we do the conversation, need not be terminated, and there's uh, yet a lot of room to. Uh, to, to, to have further chats on the matters of very important uh, to, to the caller. Professor Wu, how do you form that connection with them? I, I suppose you get such a wide range of people calling you from people who want to share a lot to some people who maybe just want to cry, yeah. maybe some people who don't even speak. How yeah. do you encourage you know, them to share their feelings? And sometimes it's just good to vent. How, how do you encourage that? Well, if they want to vent, we let them have the time to vent. And then we, uh, 
we have a normal conversation, if possible. Sometimes uh, you're not successful, of course. Sometimes, uh, in fact, uh, some people are uh, calling with abusive language, for example, and uh, sometimes they, they want to provoke you. I mean, these are the other very small minority of uh, those callers. But many, many of these callers are genuine uh, disturbed people. For example, one third of our callers, it's my estimate, are mental health patients. They're under medication. They live alone. Uh, they're under welfare. And they're, they have all kinds of day-to-day -day problems. And their illness, of course, is their main concern. They couldn't sleep. Uh, and the side effects of the drugs, for example. Uh, and uh, how are they going to go on living in a public housing uh, by himself or herself? Uh, what's the way forward? Yeah. yeah. Professor Wu, do you think there's a bit of a gap in the mental health services and, and, and regular um, medical services? You, you mentioned a point just now, you know, when you have a patient who who with medical advancement cannot help restore their vision, some may start to feel hopelessness and they might have suicidal thoughts or, as you said, depressed. Um, but then they sort of leave your practice or they leave the hospital with no help. Nobody sort of offers them any counselling and they're sort of left to their own devices. Is there a sort of gap or should there be a bridge to really be counselling services from people who leave the hospital feeling despair? I'm touching only a very small segment relating to eyes, but more importantly is to do the whole uh, whole uh, whole body of the patient. And we have uh, the hospital authority has uh, mental health hospitals centers in Kwaichung and in Castle Peak, and those are uh, catered for diagnosed mental health patients. However because of the shortage of psychiatrists and psychologists in Hong Kong. Right. The amount of time devoted to each uh, session is very limited. And, and then the uh, follow-up visit, usually it's three months, six months. What if they have, in the meantime, have uh, problems related to side effects of drugs, for example, or related to their uh, condition in regard to symptoms uh, new symptoms or signs. So there is a definite need for manpower in this area, the mental health. Well, we have mental health nursing, we have the mental health uh, specialists, like uh, I mentioned psychiatrists, but it's not enough. Each session uh, the patient is uh, uh, given is such, so limited if you compare with international norm, you see. Absolutely. Now, you've been doing this helpline for 18 years. Do you remember your very first time sort of going into the centre and picking up the phone? Um, can you share your experience with us? Oh, it's, uh, it's quite uh, timid, intimidated. You don't know who's going to call. And then you remember all the lessons that you have learned that you have to apply. And whether or not uh, which one is to do what, sort of mechanical. It's not very natural. Uh, and then you remember certain things we must say to the, to the caller uh, yeah, to fulfill our uh, responsibility. And uh, all these things, it's like playing golf. When you golf, there's so many things you have to do before you, have, you do it right. So the first time when you receive a caller, you have all these things in your mind. And, 
uh, that, that was the first few calls. But afterwards, nowadays, uh, I'm very much at ease. Uh, let the caller um, settle down and then uh, have a brief chat or a longer chat as they wish and invite them to call again when the occasion requires uh, our services. Yeah. Um, do you have a handbook or, or, or a script where you have to say certain things at certain times? We have a handbook, but that's not a script. I mean, it's a, a lot of leeway if provided you deliver the message. I mean, it follow the uh, overall plan, overall guidelines, uh, so to speak. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, you know, it's such a meaningful and fulfilling um, job to, to do. And I imagine, you know, sometimes with your own emotions, it's really important to leave those, your own problems and your own emotions at the door also. You can't sort of bring it in. Once you're in picking up the phone, you have to be completely neutral and sort of be Devoted present. to Devoted, yes. listening to them. Absolutely. Now, 2020 has been a year of uncertainty. Um, the word mental health comes up a lot, um, and I'm sure you, you have a lot of wisdom to share with some of our listeners. How can we all sort of better look after our own mental health? Well, uh, we have to learn how to cope. This is COVID-19, and a lot of problems uh, emerge because of that. Family feuds, for example, the space is so limited within the household, uh, and then new problems uh, cropped up, uh, interpersonal uh, relationship. And uh, so uh, how do we go about uh, solving them or preventing tragedy, tragedies from happening? Um, those are uh, issues that we have, to, uh, we have to search for the right kind of answers. Uh, uh, you know, you deal with one when it, one emerges. In other words, uh, we don't know what's going to happen. Look at the current situation. 14 days, two days, three days of two people, four people, six people. Uh, you have to continually adjust and adapt. And then the callers, uh, the number of callers, uh, I think, is about the same. However, the content of the, call, call, of the callers uh, begin to shift, uh, gravitate towards COVID-19, yeah. because seeing, problems emerge from that, yeah. yeah. Right. I was going to say, are and you then, seeing a surge yeah, of callers these days? Right, right. Students can go to universities to attend the exams, or, or they cannot immigrate to uh, other countries. Uh, all kinds of uh, uh, issues uh, that people face, depending upon their background, their aspiration has been interrupted, and they... Uh, they need somebody to talk to, and our lines are open for that kind of calls, yeah, yeah. of course. Do you have any sort of tips and, and wisdom for, for some of us to be better listeners for our friends and our, for our families? Because everybody is going through stressful times. How can we be a better Samaritan? How can we be a better listener um, to, to our loved ones? Well, uh, there are professionals who do that. But I think the best, uh, the, the advice that I would give is if you have the time, and we're still running the training courses, and the training courses are provided by volunteers. If you go through that without being a, a Samaritan, without wanting to be a Samaritan, you're still welcome. It's free. And then you gain some insight into the, uh, into the, into the kind of wisdom that you need that you have. Enhance your EQ, so to speak, 
And the best way, best item that I learned is to be a real good listener. You know, I improve myself, enhance my uh, uh, my dealings with uh, with uh, with the public, and understand so much pain about in the community, and so grateful uh, about and blessed about our own family, and uh, like to be a caring professional and share some of the. Uh, time to make them feel a little bit better, uh, hopefully. Yeah, and finally, Professor Wu, um, I want us to talk about retirement. Um, I, I read a funny anecdote about you, how you retired three times already. Um, <laughs> um, and retirement age in, in Hong Kong is 60, which is still very, very young. Um, how can people f- sort of find a new meaning to their life after retirement? Well, retirement age should, should not be 60. I mean, I'm an academic uh, here in Hong Kong at 60 or 65, but in North America, it's uh, no time limit. You retire until you feel like retiring, that you cannot cope with your work, I suppose. Um, and and uh, once you retire, um, you know, if you're a civil servant in Hong Kong, you, you go on to have another job. But uh, other people would like to do some uh, uh, giving back to the community, doing some volunteer work. There are all kinds of volunteer work required in the com- available in the community community for the young for the old for the sick for the terminally ill yours for the choose for the choice you, you choose whatever suits your character best and without inconveniencing you in your enjoyment of your retirement life well said. And, and like you said, you know, through your volunteer work, you've sort of gained another insight, another level of EQ and compassion and empathy. And, you know, we're, empathy, yeah. and we're, we're constantly yeah. sort of developing ourselves. It's so true. Yeah. Well, congratulations yeah. once again, Professor George Wu, on your on your really, really worthy award of the 2020 Hong Kong Humanity Award, which is organized by the Hong Kong Red Cross and RTHK. Congratulations. And I really enjoyed our interview today and I look forward to talking to you another time. Thank you very much indeed. Thank you, Noreen.